Hi, I'm Andrew Dubber. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF Podcast. Now, whether or not I'm able to successfully give this impression, you should know that most of these podcasts are planned, deliberate, scheduled. But sometimes you just meet someone interesting, and by you, I mean me. And that person is the next guest interviewee. And that happened recently when Michaela and I were curating and hosting the EU Cities Design and Innovation Conference here in Umeå, Sweden. Now, things being as they are, of course, much of the conference was online. But as things are progressing, and in fact, where we are, progressing in a way that leads one to a kind of cautious optimism, we also had a limited number of people in the room, all appropriately distanced, but co-present in a very analogue fashion. And one of the people who'd made it along, partly to attend the conference, but also to attend the Ung Svensk Form exhibition of young Swedish designers, was Lotta Alvar. We enjoyed a conversation over the conference lunch, and within hours, we were sitting, again appropriately distanced, recording a podcast. Lotta is the chair of Design Sweden, the association that represents all Swedish designers. And it's kind of a strange time for design. There's a lot of things that need to be designed for all of a sudden. She's also been CEO of Swedish Fashion Council and CEO of Swedish Friends of Handcraft. Lotta's into fashion, creativity, sustainability, new materials, and new ways of thinking about how we create the objects we use and wear every day, as well as what it means that we use and wear them. From an office inside Expression Umeå, the creative startup incubator on Umeå University Arts Campus, this is Lotta Alvar. Enjoy. Lotta Alva, thank you so much for joining us for the MTF podcast today. How are you doing? I'm fine, and thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. It's nice to actually have a conversation in the same room with somebody. And it's live. We're meeting each other. Yeah, yeah. We washed yeah. our hands, which yeah. is very important. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's good to be able to do that. What brings you here to Umeå? Uh, I'm here because of the design conference and also the design week. And I think it's a great initiative because uh, it's bringing people together. And you can hear everybody say, oh, we're meeting people again. Yeah. And of course, everybody's really careful. You really notice we have a new behavior. It's like movements now, mm -hmm. like washing uh, or rubbing your hands and yeah. saying hello with your elbow. So we started a new body language, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We should probably uh, introduce you a little bit and mm -hmm. say who you are, because you're very, very important in design in Stockholm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, my profession is a designer, so I was a trained product designer with mostly within the field of fashion and textiles. So mm -hmm. I worked uh, as a professional designer for a few years. Uh, and then I worked a lot with different design organizations and I also had my design studio for some years. Uh, so I worked within the field of fashion. I was the CEO for the Swedish Fashion Council for many, many years, which was a tremendously f interesting job, I have to say, and I yeah. stayed I guess for 12 years, <laughs> but it was really evolving all the time and it was, was lots of fun. And also the Swedish fashion scene devel developed a lot during those years. And um, I also have been the chairman for Design Sweden, which I had another name before, but it's a national design organization for, um, you know, um, all designers. Svensk form? It's not the Svensk form. Uh, design Sweden is, is mainly for uh, the practitioner, the designers. How are they related? The Svensk we're cousins, I would say, uh, and also with Swede. 
which is also the third national organization. And uh, I, have goal. I have a goal. I have a goal. Because I'm back as chairman there uh, since uh-huh. uh, 2017. Uh, and there were plans maybe not to have the organization the same way, but we were some old members that thought, let's do it again. Right. Uh, but I have a goal that we should be united, these three design organizations. Because if you look at your former home country, uh, you have the British Design Council and you have a lot more power if you're like one united vote, uh, a voice. Uh, so I think that's important. Is it, uh, when you say voice, do you mean from a lobbying perspective? From lobbying and also from partnerships, uh, as well as uh, practitioners or uh, people uh, interested in the design field. I mean, there are so many places where you, you, you have to look for answers now. And I think if there was like one organization, I think it would be a lot better. And also for governmental foundings, of course, because there are three organizations and, and it's too, too many to have, uh, to have any uh, means to go with. So in that sense, I think we need to be. And we're all different because Swede works a lot with the business and the industry. Uh, we work with the designers and all the questions they have. Mm. Uh, and uh, Svensk Forum, uh, they have the governmental uh, uh, commission to, to work and uh, explain what design is to like everybody. Right. Right. So you're so, for designers and they're from designers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good one. So yeah. we, we actually say we are... We are designers for designers, and actually all of the board were designers or used to be designers in some way. And today, lots of designers work with, uh, well, you know, uh, design management and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's not the way it used to be when I was the chairman the last time, right? Because then it was much more product or fashion or, or oriented in that field. So it ha- it has happened a lot within the design field, I have to say, mm-hmm. which is interesting. We come to Umeå and you are participating in this. Uh, EU conference. I think that was really tremendous work you did. Um, and I also work within the field of arts and craft, which is, uh, so I have also been trained uh, in uh, weaving and embroidery skills and things like that. So um, so I was also the CEO for a very old uh, association that worked with uh, females, a mm-hmm. 140-year-old um, uh, organization. Uh, with supporting females to have their independence like in the way back. So they were like uh, part of the Swedish suffragette movement. (laughs) And it's still there and they still have a studio and they still have a school for uh, educating people within the field of textile arts and crafts. Very traditional So very super traditional. Uh, I think it's like you have some kind of embroidery school or stitch school Mm -hmm. in uh, the UK which works with church textiles and things like that. And this one is similar, so it has lots of uh, renovation and conservative, you know, um, to preserve uh, really, really old uh, textiles. So, yeah, I'm, I'm wide in that sense. Yeah. I've worked with fashion, I've worked with textiles, I've worked with product design. And uh, I've worked as a designer also for interior design. Uh, I've made a few products, but uh, my, my main business or my main uh, mission has really been within the field of different organizations and uh, for for my living <laughs> I work for uh, Stockholm International Affairs and uh, I work with the uh, design weeks so uh, for me it's always interesting to come to different design weeks to see how do they do it here and how, how can we develop uh, Stockholm Design Week. What is a design week? Oh, for me, it's the perfect way of uh, making the business flourish uh, through meetings, uh, I have to say. And I think everybody who is within the field of design, they have 
once or twice been, or maybe like every uh, every year in the Milan, uh, the Fiera, the Fuori di Salone, or the uh, Milan Design Week, which is like the biggest event. Because I imagine just essentially a big exhibition yeah. where everybody's work is it's, shown. Is there more to it than really, that? It's not really, no. Uh, the idea is uh, to invite, uh, like, you know, the common people, the audience uh, who's out there who could be interested in design. So there are many events. Of course, there is launches for for different design brands and so on, and also there are mingle parties for the for the business people. Yeah. But there are lots of exhibitions that are really inviting everybody, like from grandmothers interested in design to uh, mummies coming with their trolleys, uh, with a you know toddler in the in the uh, in the. So. Um, so the idea, I think, and also Stockholm City is supporting the Design Week. So the idea is to really spread uh, design into to a wider uh, perspective and also to engage more people. And I think for the city, it's also a way of uh, branding your city. A little mm. bit like Umeå here. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, you really say, we're doing this, and somehow you gather more interest in the city for, for further development. Uh, the design week in Stockholm is maybe more traditional in that sense. It's still a lot about uh, product design, uh, product design companies exhibiting in some way. But I think it's nice since all the museums are engaged and they sometimes curate special exhibitions to be a part of the design week and so on. And uh, a really nice initiative is made by Svensk Form uh, and it's to present the young Swedish uh, talents every year. And this time it also opened in Umeå, Ung uh, Svensk Farm, which is an is- initiative to to support uh, you know, alumni yeah, yeah. and really the young ones. So that's nice. So that's a touring exhibition. So I think it's, it's really a good uh, <laughs> opportunity for Umeå to be on the map because this, I think, is the first real, I think they tried a little bit before, but this one I think is, is really a real design week mm. <laughs> this time. So if they can have this exhibition every year opening, and I know also Umi is a great city for art. To me, it would be nice also if the art scene mm-hmm. uh, could be a part here because there are some really good galleries in this uh, city. So if the art scene could be a part of, of a design week, I think it's also quite interesting. Where so I see it with arts, craft, design. Yes, this is the thing that I find really interesting. Where does one stop and the next one start? Where does art stop and craft start and design it's begin? It's so interesting. You really don't know. <laughs> And I think also in Sweden, every every uh, student has to learn uh, textile or uh, woodcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's uh, you you do it from uh, from first grade in school. Right. Sloyd, uh, uh, and uh, there's only one word for it. I don't know if there's a it's a better word in English. Sloyd. I, I think craft is craft. probably as close as we get. But it's not really the same thing. No. Uh, craft could be arts and craft, but craft, yeah. But uh, we do it, and I think it's only Finland, uh, maybe Iceland a little bit, and Sweden that uh, mm. has, the tra- has this tradition. Right. And uh, I think it's from we were a poor country that everybody should learn how to sew and to mend things and, and to do simple things out of wood, uh, like spoons and things like that. So mm-hmm. there are things that you really learn uh, from a really, really early age yeah. uh, in Sweden. It's interesting because it's not a poor uh, country anymore, is it? No, uh, no. And, and uh, actually today lots of uh, voices are uh, trying to remove uh, Sloyd from, uh, from, uh, from schools mm. because uh, we need more people programming in computer worlds exactly. or something else. Yeah. But I think uh, to have a skill in your, I mean, to be skilled with your hand, uh, it's really, it gives you a smarter uh, perception of everything. Uh, mm-hmm. 
So um, I, to me, it's very important. So I think also SLOID is very important in uh, Design Week as well. And I think yeah. it's so interesting because we are now at this uh, uh, incubator for, for design. And uh, to me, a few of these designers here, they are actually uh, slow people uh, uh -huh. or craft people uh, yeah. because they have, uh, you know, they work with a you know, smaller maker movement uh, mm. in their in their business models. So they're they're like tangling into uh, to the the craft world. So it's difficult to say where arts and craft uh, stop and where design starts. Yeah, I um, wonder is it is it that uh, craft is how shall we make this? Design is how should we make it look mm -hmm. and function? And art is what should it say? Tricky question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about um, that. I've been in this uh, design organization twice now, so this is my second round as the chairman. Look, if it's a hard uh, question and, for and you, we have been like uh, discussing it. what is design for I don't know ten years yeah. without being able to really uh, to pinpoint it down. Of sure. course, everybody knows what design is, but it's it's really hard when you have to put it down into like five sentences. This mm -hmm. is design because it's so much, and I think also with the word slide. It actually means giving shape to things. So for me, that is design. Hmm. So it's just an old-fashioned way of being a designer, maybe. I don't know, like the old days. Uh, but I think today, lots of designers are really into making things with their hands. Right. So uh, And also with the whole society and sustainability and everything, I think we're going back to small scale, locally produced and everything. So hmm. And um, it's also, you can see, it's really lots of designers who have... Uh, even industrial designers that has their small prototype studio or workshops. Uh, and there's a great concept called Prototypa where uh, you invite different designers to talk about their prototyping process. Mm -hmm. And to me, I mean, it's like something you did in school. It could be cardboard uh, sketches or it could be uh, glued foam or, or things like that to, to test your ideas. So I think if you, if you have it in the hand, uh, I think you have a better way of proceeding also into the digital world of design, because we're so digital. So we're going from from the from you know from the prototyping and the maker into the digital world. And also when you talk to this uh, wonderful education here, uh, the design school, uh, which is uh, I think one of the leading uh, schools for industrial designers. And I know uh, almost all of them are hired somewhere, especially yeah. in the car industry. Um, they really work uh, with the clay modeling of cars and everything. So, and also when you speak to uh, to to um, uh, the people in charge of the programs there, they, they they really emphasize the importance of being there with a hand, trying out ideas. And it's so funny because their their studios or their workshops they're open like twenty four seven. So maybe not the most dangerous machines, but so as a student you can really go down in the middle of the night and, and really try out an idea. And I mean that's not going to be like a one shot or or a unique piece. It's going to be for the for the industry later on. But but to try it and also have this um, yeah you really see something uh, when it comes down to three dimensions instead of just being in the two-dimensional world. Well, you mentioned the technology aspect of it. Is the technology side of design replacing the traditional craft or are those things being integrated in some way? I think if you look at the modern uh, craftsmen, especially maybe in woodcraft, there is a really nice guy living up here called Felix Wink. Uh -huh. uh, is it the knife maker? He's a knife maker yeah. and has a collaboration with Mura Kniv uh -huh. uh, and he's, a f he's really... Um, 
He does his, uh, the first starting points on wood often is made industrial. Uh -huh. So it's, it could be 3D uh, cut wood pieces and then he, he adds on whatever he needs to do with these pieces if it's going to be a spoon or whatever. Mm. So he's like uh, using the industry to, to process uh, a bit uh, faster. And uh, he also, I think he uses the, the Fab Lab even down here uh, mm. for, you know, uh, laser cutting, things like that. Uh, so um, I think if you... And I think that's how, how Slöjd, and, and since it's my own field then within textile, I mean, you had the hand weaving and then you had the spinning jenny. So, I mean, it's always evolving. And today, if you look at like a huge textile factory, I mean, it's really, I mean, you just press a button somewhere and out comes the fabric. Yeah. Uh, but in the old days with the mechanical machines, uh, today you're, you're uh, I mean, if you're a hipster designer in London and you want to have really fancy cloth, of course, you want it handwoven with, like, you know, the 40s industrial, really heavy yeah. <laughs> iron machines. So, um, with the twigs, still yeah, stuck with the twigs, to it, yeah. uh, because you get this kind of feeling of it's not handwoven, but you, you have another hand feel for the fabric. And uh, actually, somewhere in East London, uh, a young guy started a new textile factory. So, uh -huh. I mean, it hasn't opened a textile factory in East End for, I don't know. But he bought up lots of industrial machines and started his own mill. And he's highly sought after within the, within the haute couture world, of course, because his fabrics are amazing. So, um, well, that raises an and interesting... they were really innovative and super modern yeah, ones, yeah. and now they're like, oh, they're handicrafts. So, it's the, and it's, it's the, the same school. with the printing industry. I was thinking Gutenberg and all mm -hmm. those. I mean, today we can all design our business cards and anything from the computer, more, more or less. But uh, I mean, uh, with the, I mean, there are, are places doing the, the old Gutenberg way with, uh, you know, really nice business cards that are really crafted the old way. So, I mean, there's, um, there's an interest, I think, for the old traditions uh, today. So I think if you're skilled, and it, or at least if you have the knowledge, you can proceed a lot within your own uh, field of, of, of doing design. So, of course, if you're a textile designer, it's really good to know how it, you, how it works in a way. Yeah. I mean, the, you, you bring up places and uh, sort of the regionality mm -hmm. of, uh, of certain mm -hmm. things. It sort of makes me wonder how Swedish Swedish design is and, and whether that can be broken down into, well, this is Stockholm design and that's what Umeå design yeah, looks like. I just came running here from, from a national meeting that we had and uh, lots of different uh, organizations in Sweden gathered uh, in this Zoom meeting uh, from the field of uh, architecture and uh, also uh, cities. Umeå was presented there as well. Mm. Um, to look uh, up on this and uh, to see what is <laughs> what is it? Uh, I forgot your question. <laughs> I guess the I question is, <laughs> what, what is Swedish about Swedish oh, okay. design? Yeah, okay, we brought up that question. So with all these people, I don't know how many we were, but, you know, different, all different uh, north, south, east, west, west of Sweden. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and somebody said uh, that Scandinavian or Swedish design, it could come from Korea these days uh, because there's this expres expression with uh, Scandinavian design. And I think it was a really clever shop owner in London who uh, took that name mm -hmm. <laughs> and somehow kind of branded it together with magazines like Wallpaper and so on. Yeah. So there is a specific look of being Scandinavian or Scandi style. I mm -hmm. think Scandi style is what they used in their commercials a lot. Yeah. And um, 
I wouldn't say so because I think we've become a lot more funky today. So we're not so mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I think if you think about the Scandinavian design, I think lots of people think the 50s and the 60s. Mm. Uh, the modernist, uh, the clean, modernist area. You think of these design icons. I mean, they're they're equally um, Danish as Swedish. And of course, there were lots of really, really nice designers also from Norway, but you tend to think about Sweden and, and Denmark when you talk about Scandinavian design. Finland had their own tradition a little bit, and they were really a poor country after the war and everything, and they had this huge debt to pay back. So, but they also evolved uh, in their own, uh, how should I say, uh, the aesthetics of the Finnish design. Well, really, Mari Mekko is yes, a really interesting yes, story. Yes, and also the... the yeah, like the porcelain and the glass factories and everything. So there is a really, I would say, really Finnish look into lots of things. And I think Mary Mecco still is very good uh, to preserve this, uh, how should I say, the look uh, when you look at the fashion side, for yeah. instance. Well, the printed fabric, I think, and is the printed very, fabrics. Yeah. And, and they, do, they constantly do new fabrics. But of course, there are a few ones like the poppy ones that everybody knows of. But there was a real special uh, expression, I have to say, and they were also very lucky when they participated after the war in different kind of exhibitions like the Triennale in Milano. So the Finnish design was like, yes. But it also gave a lot to their industry. So lots of people were employed. And I think that's the old way <laughs> how design really worked. You, you, you did this product and you know, lots of people were going to benefit from it. It was going to create jobs and lots of things like that. Today, design is it's the whole society in a way. It's how we build our cities and how we think and how we interact and uh, how we uh, use uh, use our cell phones and everything. Yeah, because so design we're is about everywhere. Inter interaction design, systems design. Yeah. You know, yeah. not so just. So there's so much. Yeah. So much. It's so interesting. So I think um, I think it's Ruska Museet who has uh, also governmental uh, funding for for being like a center for design Ruska in Göteborg, and they have a slogan that is "Design is everywhere," and I think it's quite good because you tend to think about design as being a product, and I have to say I'm, I studied design like so <laughs> so long ago. But um, then it was more like you wanted to do pretty objects uh, mm. because, uh, I mean, uh, everybody survived the 70s and the 70s in Sweden and the Scandinavian countries. It was all pine wood on the, on the walls and uh, it looked like you were in the sauna all the time. And <laughs> fashion was really ugly and you had clogs and you were not supposed to be interested in fashion and uh, design that was shallow. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking a little bit, but in a way it's like that. So when I was in, this, in my design education in the late 80s, you really wanted to do pretty objects because there were really no pretty objects. You had to go to, to Italy to find really like good and beautiful design. Today, since I meet a lot of young designers, I mean, they want to go out and change the world. Uh, so they want to make a better world. And we wanted to, to do only pretty objects. So I think it's a complete mindset. So, but I think for many people, when you say design, they, they think about pretty objects still. So, um, Am I right in saying you had an art history background? Yes, I went to art schools as well. <laughs> yeah. So how, does that help? <sighs> to me, it helped uh, since I've been in, you know, I've been in buying offices and I've been employed as a designer and so on. But I think to be in a design school or art school, it gives you a, a, a way of, thinking creative uh, and that way is really good when you're solving any problem I would say uh, how can I get from here to there uh, I know I have this and this and this and this obstacle so how, how can I go 
and it could be like, uh, I don't know, um, telling this uh, buyer that we should do everything in pink <laughs> and they don't believe in you. So, so I think when you have a creative training background, uh, it, it really helps you in many situations. So I, I've found my, I worked as CEO for three companies and uh, I think, I mean, uh, more than the business part, I think the creative uh, background has helped me a lot actually. Uh, but I, I like to think of business also in a very creative way, to, to think new and so on. So I, I, I've had really, uh, well, I'm so grateful for my, for my background, really. So, and also to, uh, to uh, enter one of these design schools in Sweden, like uh, here in Umeå, mm. I mean, there are participants from all over the world. So, I mean, the pressure of getting in, it's really difficult. And uh, it has always been like that. I went to Beckmans, which was not a university then. Uh, today it's a university. Um, and Boros was not. It was a textile institute. So I applied for both of them. And uh, I mean, there were so many, so many people applying. And also all these design schools, they, they want to do the interview part uh, with all the students, which mm. I think is kind of interesting mm. uh, in the digital era and everything. But lots of them have like the traditional entrance uh, meeting when you have uh, the possibility to express your ideas. And, you know, so I don't know if that's very a fair system or not, but, uh, but many of them still have this traditional way of doing it. So, of course, you have to apply with your, uh, you know, what works and so on. Mm. So, uh, and also in the world of digitalization, I think there are so many students applying for like 10 schools. In the old days, I mean, you had to do them all manually. So you had like maybe two sets uh, or something. You couldn't apply for like 10 schools. Right. So I think the numbers that are that is so many people applying for the schools, it's a bit fake, uh, but it's still really, really popular to become a designer in, in different fields. So the pressure of, 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 of getting there is very high. And I guess the so design institute really here need would be particularly hard to get into. Prepar preparatory educations to, to get there. Yeah, to, to be here, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy they are, yeah. It's very international though. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, and that is also, I think, when the alumni come back, and they teach or they interact. I mean, you, you, I mean, the world opens. So yeah. that is amazing. And we're doing a panel discussion here later on uh, with Clemens, who is in charge of fashion and textile at uh, Boros uh, uh, University and um, for the textile and fashion department. Uh, with his background and also the students who have, uh, I mean, they have reached tremendous uh, attention, I think, since he started. And uh, with his international background, he worked for many years like uh, at Vivian Westwood in London and so on. So he had like the, the, the industry connections. Uh, but now it's, it's like also many people applying from all over the world and also the designers end up all over the world. So I think it's really uh, in a way, and I think we have been quite successful, successful with our creative uh, and innovative, innovative uh, uh, universities here, I, I really have to say. So there are like stars. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, of course, more difficult before uh, everything was digitalized and it was more expensive to travel and so on. Yeah, yeah for sure. I know a lot of people internationally, they're uh, not designers specifically, mm -hmm. but, uh, but the ordinary people, me, uh, mm -hmm. their experience of Swedish design would be IKEA. 
Is that mm. a fair representation? Do you feel like well represented out in the world mm. with that? I, I've had them as a client. So. Uh -huh. um, and I think uh, if you take the catalog, for instance, they still print the catalog. Uh, I'm not sure this year, though. I don't know. But if you just uh, flick through the catalog, uh, you have uh, you have a special look on the uh, like on the cover and you know the big images and so on. Uh, and of course, that's the image they want to push. Uh, and I think it's really interesting to see in them when they started to put people in their uh, in the covers, mm -hmm. uh, and when the first uh, gay couple appeared uh -huh. on the cover. That was really interesting. That was news. Yes, that was really news. Uh, two men apparently living in the same flat uh, or apartment or house. Um, but I think also what they want to send out and showcase is, is a more streamlined design. But if you go in, in and look at everything, you find lots of varieties, I have to say. And I think it's always been like that. Uh, and if you look at the customers, they are from, from all levels of society. So uh, in that sense, uh, I think it's, it's in a way not so very Swedish, I have to say, since we're quite global now in Sweden. Um, but of course, uh, it's it's a brand name that everybody thinks it's 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 Sweden. Yeah. Similar with H and M, I guess. Mm. I'm wondering, partly, what sort of kid were you, but also um, what your parents did, and whether that had an influence <laughs> on where you ended up. Uh, actually, my father died when I was six years, so I don't remember him a lot. But he was a fighter pilot <laughs> wow, okay. in the Swedish Air Force, so I think he was a daredevil uh, somehow. Otherwise, uh -huh. he wouldn't do that. Uh, and my mother, she would, uh, she was, she was much more talented than me uh, in drawing and sketching and so on. And she wanted to be uh, in an art school, mm. but her grand, my grandparents never allowed her to do that. She should have a proper education. Mm. Uh, and when I was young, uh, everybody uh, went to uh, become a law student or uh, studying economics in Uppsala or Lund. That, mm -hmm. Those were the universities. You should be in Lund or Uppsala. Nothing else counted. Uh -huh. uh, and I'm from quite a bourgeois city. Uh, so that was it. That, that's where you were supposed to end up, like uh, working with economics or uh, doing law mm. practice. So I applied for law school in Lund <laughs> yeah. and uh, then I took a year off and I ended up in New York uh, where I had a boyfriend who was studying at uh, Brooklyn University and there were lots of people in the film and uh, uh, what do you say, like scenography and things like that. Sure. And I was like, wow, can you work with this? <laughs> so I came back and said, bye bye Lund. So uh -huh. then I entered the... Um, school in Norrköping, which was uh, the textile uh, institute. But when, go back further, when you were a kid, were you making things? Were you uh, doing I would crafts? love to say that I was sewing my clothes as a three-year. No, I did not. But I, I always worked in like uh, different uh, fashion shops and so on when I was young. So I, okay. I really consumed a lot of clothing. Yeah. And I think also in the 80s, of course, you couldn't buy the latest stuff because it wasn't even there, even mm. if there was an H&M. Uh, so you had to sew something if you wanted really high uh, shoulder pads and things like that. So yeah. I did sew a lot, but not like everything. Um, but um, no, I always uh, liked drawing and sketching and so on, but, but it wasn't really something I thought you could work with, actually. But that's a big mind uh, change today. I think for young students, you can be, uh, you can be anything. Mm. Uh, so becoming a designer is not like an issue. It's uh, I think it will be a backlash because I think people also 
after Corona and, and you know, things like this happening in the world. I think many young kids also want to have a real proper job, like a policeman, mm. a nursery, uh, a nurse, or, or something like that. Yeah. So I think um, the field of being in the creative industry, uh, it might also be. A you bit think the effective. shine might wear off a little bit? I think it could, because also, I mean, uh, the situation has hit the Swedish uh, design scene really, really badly, since there are many, many smaller companies. Uh, I mean, it could be studios with one or two employees, it could be uh, you have your own studio and you're self-employed and you just go with freelancers. And the insurance system is not so good for them, so many mm. of them are closing down at the moment. So it's really, it's really a, how should I say, difficult situation. And, and also lots of people are scared that we will lose a lot of, of, of skills and uh, mm. knowledge in the field, because if you start doing other things because you cannot run your design company, it's scary, uh, and also we have a huge car industry in Sweden, and there are lots of people who have some employment, but they are not working as a yeah. designer even there because I mean the business is it's terrible. So and also since uh, I work with the Design Weeks and I work for a fair, uh, we really do have uh, the Northern Europe's largest design fair in February. Mm. Uh, and so you managed to get we one don't in know we don't know if we will have one uh, yeah. so I mean it's it's uh, that is strange but also if you're a small designer and you are this major manuf manufacturer for for whatever business chairs mm. um, that's the per perfect spot to meet uh, like Milano design fair uh, it's where you meet people yeah because I guess designing uh, things you can largely do at home on your computer, yeah, yeah, but building yeah, but things the meetings, and you still need them. the meetings, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it's not the same. So, but but the, the COVID nineteen has really affected the Swedish design scene, which is scary, and also the governmental support has been within, uh, how should I say, arts, music, uh, in the museums, got a lot of funding for mm. for being able to reopen again and so on. So uh, the but design scene now. has not seen a lot. I guess now we need design more than ever, though, because we have to rethink things like office spaces. We that's, have to what, that's what many designers say, like the young guys that uh -huh. want to go out there and change the world. They're like, it's now or never, because we're going to rebuild this society. Mm. And we're going to rebuild it in another way, more positive way, maybe, yeah. since we have hopefully learned something from this situation. You think uh, we have? I think we have learned uh, a lot, actually. Uh, I think slowing down, for instance, could be one thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, not having have to be in all the meetings. I think some meetings are so practical to do mm -hmm. uh, online. Um, traveling. I mean, I love to travel. Everybody loves to go on holiday. Uh, I love to travel, but actually you have to travel in, in other ways somehow. And I'm, I'm fortunate to have been a traveler. I mean, I've not been all over the world, but I, I've been in cities a lot. So um, somehow I can live on the memory of that for a while more, and I hope we can still travel. Uh, but it's going to be interesting, I think, because also with the airlines uh, shutting down. And uh, I remember when I flew to New York in the 80s, my, my ticket there was a fortune. It was like three months salary or something. And mm -hmm. um, who knows? I mean, we might end up having super again. expensive airline tickets, so we will not be able to travel in the same way. Um, so I think some, some things are really good, uh, the way we have been forced to, to act uh, and, and to interact with each other during Corona. It does seem that there's a lot of big global challenges, a climate change, mm. coronavirus, you know, mm. all these sorts of things. Mm. Uh, I think things the about... climate issue has been like uh, not so much heard of, actually. Really? Yeah. 
Not enough. But there are also been some good effects, like China, where you can suddenly see the sky uh, over these polluted industrial cities. And sure, so. but my point is, if you've got uh, designers who are thinking about these these uh, grand scale projects, mm -hmm. they're, they're thinking about how to solve the climate crisis, how to address things like accessibility, mm -hmm. yeah. about inclusion, mm -hmm. uh, you mm -hmm. know, all these things that uh, the European, mm -hmm. uh, the, and the how SDGs, are the cities? And I mean, how will Umeå city in downtown look? Uh, yeah, I yeah. guess there's that, but there's also, is there fun or play in mm. design anymore? Is there room for frivolous design? Oh my God. Yes, I think so. And I, I think also what you've seen a little bit now, I think it might have to do also with personalities. Uh, some people are extroverts and some are introverts. Mm. Uh, and I think, um, I think for an introvert, it might have been really fun to work from home. But I think there has been really good projects also showing that you can reach out uh, through uh, Zoom <laughs> and be visible in, in completely new ways. And I think also lots of art schools and design schools have done amazing projects, uh, you know, just uh, single-handed students maybe sometimes, uh, like pop-up ex exhibitions in uh, shop windows that are closed uh, for artists. Um, also, there, there was a really bad situation with the healthcare in Sweden because there was no protection for, for the people going out, uh, taking uh, blood tests and things like that. Um, and uh, lots of designers started to 3D print, like, uh, you know, uh, protection for all the nurses and so on. And uh, there were small design studios doing this, like, really voluntarily and uh, there was no uh, what do you call this plastic for the 3d printer so oh. uh, so people were going to old offices and saying we want your overhead film <laughs> because you don't use it in the copier anymore so they were like reusing whatever they could and supporting the industry so there's a very nice design studio in stockholm where you know the, the employees did not have too much to do because everything got hold on and they were asking the owner of this design studio what can we do uh, and they were like, we want to change the world. And they started to print these. So they were uh, more or less going in a car collecting all these right. <laughs> overhead films and, and producing them. So still, actually, Stockholm's Lance thing comes now once in a week to pick up, uh, uh, what do you say, visir? Yeah, 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 the visors. Yeah, yeah visors, yeah. 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 Yeah, interesting. I mean, it so, sounds like resourcefulness. So there are so many of these, like, really good ideas. And, and to me, I hope... Uh, I know that museums are starting to gathering all these stories mm. because I think there will be tremendous documentation uh, later on. And during this meeting that I came running from, somebody said like, oh, think if we will look back in 2020 and the way before, when we could go to real concerts, think if we never can go to concerts again. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I've spoken I, to musicians on this podcast who have yeah. said that they're working on the assumption that there will never be live concerts again. And they have to that design is their so lives. That's so scary. And, isn't it? Yeah, that it's is really so interesting. That's so scary. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I really like the initiative. I mean, seeing Rod Stewart with his daughter uh, in his home, uh -huh. uh, like taking care of him. I mean, like, I mean, more or less the whole world saw it. Uh, or Elton John <laughs> in his garden, all dressed up. So, I mean, for that, that is to me like an extroverted project sure. that really reached out. Uh, but of course, it's not the same thing being in a crowd with lots of people and you feel the energy and, and all this. And I think there are interesting projects now because how can you reach out? How can you how can you make people shiver and how, how can you how can you interact with this? I mean, through the digital landscape. So uh, and there is an exhibition at Arctis uh, actually evolving this. 
without anonymous sensory and, and all these things. So uh, I think lots of people long for tactility, of course. Yeah. Maybe not queuing and banging yeah, each yeah, other yeah, up. Yeah, elbows but, but in the ropes, not, so, not so much. But, yeah. <laughs> or airline queues or something yeah, like yeah, that. For sure. but, there are, yeah. Actually, there are lots of instances of, yeah. of being around mm. other people that I could yeah. do without. But, mm. uh, exactly. Uh, you, you but we also kind of... have social distance Absolutely. in this country, I think. Yeah, is, I think he started And, and especially here, up in the north, I mean, you tend yeah. to not speak uh, so closely anyway to yeah. each other. Yeah, or, so. or much at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, up here in the north, you hear so. Yeah, that means everything. But I think that's a myth. I think people here in Umeå are very talkative. I'm from the southern part of Sweden. I live in Stockholm and I really have to say Umeå is something special. I found it friendly. I've been uh, been here a while. uh, Not a lot in Norrland, but uh, in a few other places. And I think think Umeå is very special, I I have to say. And I think it's also the flow of all the students coming in and out all the time and uh, I mean so many international people being here like yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk about this kind of resourcefulness that you mm. alluded to mm. in the design community. Mm. Is is that design thinking? Is design? Th- I've heard the phrase so often I don't really know what it is. I think it's really difficult with design thinking because I think there are lots of uh, designers nowadays that, that have completely new roles in companies uh, going in and, and prototyping or workshopping. It, it could be like, uh, Umeå Commune could be like uh, their commissioners. Uh, so also this workshopping idea and trying to understand the business, of course, that's, that's a way of interacting. Mm and uh, UXing. Um, so it's a new way of thinking. Um, but I think it's always good <laughs> not to get stuck in the old patterns, uh, which is it's so easy to fall back. And I hope actually now the good things from Corona that we don't fall back into our old patterns again, uh, that we have learned a few things. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm uh, idealistic thinking that, but uh, of course we want the industry to come back and we don't want this recession to go on. Because I think it's also scary because we just started to see uh, the effect, uh, the econ- economic uh, effect of the, the, the virus. Uh, and if change, if, if things don't change, uh, it will be really difficult. And, mm. and to me, I think going here, coming here, I mean, I passed through the city center here. And of course, there are lots of shops empty now and lots of sales and things like that. And I think as a, as a citizen in the city, I, I want to feel safe mm-hmm. and uh, really nicely lit windows in the evening. It gives some kind of protection to me. Uh, I mean, walking home in the middle of the night or something. Or um, So I'm afraid there will be only nail parlors or... Uh, real estaters and things like that and yeah. coffee shops. Uh, so, so we need a bit of everything in the city centre. So I think also when, you, when you're creating new uh, spaces, and I think, I think Umeå with the Rice Institute, they managed to do some really in, uh, interesting projects here, I think with a bus stop mm-hmm. where people could wait for the bus. I thought that was a genius thing that the Rice uh, Project came up. This Do you know the, which uh, one I'm talking about? This is the about? aquarium glass. No, where you, you, no, where you could like, uh, it's like a shelter. Uh-huh. They're roundly shaped and you can go in and in them and uh, it, somehow you can have your own space. Oh. So you're wind protected, they're in wood. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and you have this echo feeling. So uh, you, you can go in with a partner and kiss there because you're kind of protected from everybody's <laughs> looks. Uh, and that was a RISE project together with Umeå Commune. Okay. Uh, and that's a beautiful one. I mean, just rethinking how you can do 
And I know that they did for a really large uh, car company, another project here in a neighborhood that doesn't really want to have any cars in uh -huh. the environment. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the design students were involved and the RICE project were involved in this huge uh, global uh, luxury car brand. Mm -hmm. uh, they were thinking and discussing with people living there, how, how can you create a car <laughs> for people who don't want, cars, course, yeah. want to have cars uh, in their environment? So there are many, like many new... Uh, no, but th things happen in this process when you start talking and, and so on. So. And that's design thinking. Uh, is that it? is design thinking, I think, also to 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 really try to figure out how can we move or how can we change or how uh, what is the necessity of of, of doing this. So, but I, I think it, it's difficult to involve design thinking in everything. I mean, like in hospitals. I mean, somehow they work as they do, uh, maybe good or or really bad, but uh, somehow it, it's, it's difficult. But I think also in structures that uh, that have been locked for a long while I think it could be really important to maybe try to uh, prototype or have a workshop around a new way of thinking how can we do this sure. a friendly friendly user uh, aspect is uh, I think that's the issue I mean even if you're a product designer making nice cops uh, I mean, of course, you have to add the looks and marketing and, and lots of other normal things. Yeah, but it should be nice but, to drink out of. But it should be nice to drink out of, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I think the, the user-friendly perspective is everywhere. And since, uh, since I work with fairs, I mean, our customers, they rent the square meters. So, uh, I mean, how are we when we're meeting them? What's their experience from us? Uh, mm. how, how easy are we to work with? Uh, do we make it smooth for them? Yeah. I mean, do we only sell the square meter or can we, uh, you know, do the whole stand? Or, or I mean, So it's so inter interesting when you, when you apply this thinking on, you can apply it on your daily life. If you were 18 years old mm. going into this world now, what would, what would you want to tell the 18-year-old you to, to do, to look out for, to, to think about as you go into the world of design? Well, I was really into fashion and buying new clothes. So, uh -huh. <laughs> And uh, I have a 23-year-old daughter and she's really fond of fashion, fashion and buying new clothes. There was a really nice project that uh, launched here last night called FACT, Fashion Activism. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about thinking more sustainable uh, upon how, how you use your fashion wardrobe. Uh, it was great to see. I think they were like somewhere between 10 and 20. Uh, and you had to apply to be a factivist, okay. <laughs> uh, to be a part of it. So uh, they've launched this in Västergötaland earlier. Uh, uh, it's a project from Boros. It's a research project from Boros Textilhögskola. Uh, and uh, now they're launching it here. And the launch was yesterday. So and uh, to be able to apply, you had to have more than 500 followers on Instagram because they want them to be... I follow someone on yeah. Instagram who has just become an activist. So do I. Yeah. Which <laughs> Might is really, be the same person, I guess. Well, yeah, it could well be. <laughs> um, but, but what was really interesting about that is the idea that uh, how can we use the clothing mm. that we already mm. have mm. and not buy new stuff? Mm. How does that help designers? I, I worked a lot, actually. And, and this, I mean, ex except from... from from being a hand maybe or, or an inspiring person or, or helping hand mm -hmm. uh, for, for people like people in this incubator. I think uh, the fashion industry is one of the world's biggest polluters. Right. So, I mean, it's only the food industry that is worse. Uh, 
Okay. And I think your nice shirt is made out of cotton and I think your denim is made out of cotton and you have a pair of socks and you have underwear and you might have a t-shirt or something under it. And they're all made of cotton. Uh -huh. And cotton is, uh, I mean, it grows where we might have to, to grow food. <laughs> uh, and cotton is really thirsty, so it needs a lot of water. And to have the really good cotton, you need a lot of pesticides and the pesticides is really bad. Uh, since uh, the textile production, we want to buy really cheap clothing, is produced somewhere else, so we have to ship it. So, I mean, it ends up being really terrible product when it comes here, out of sustainability, uh, from sustainability reasons. So I think this whole project, uh, we launched actually when I was at the Fashion Council something 2007, and the world was not there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you had the Al Gore film. Uh, yeah. I can't remember yeah. it. What's with, what's with the name? Uh, it was a oh. inconvenient truth. Yes. So, I mean, people were getting aware of, of the problem of, of the world being polluted. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, when there was a UN uh, climate conference in Copenhagen, we did a really huge uh, impact in the fashion business of, of the Nordic countries. So we started a Nordic um, uh, association called the Nordic Fashion Association. And uh, all these countries were not always, uh, we are sometimes very competitive, especially with the, our fashion weeks. I mean, uh, the Copenhagen Fashion Week was really successful and the mm -hmm. Stockholm Fashion Week was really successful. So we were competitors. When it, when it came to sustainability, it was really nice because we had a, a mutual goal. So we started a project called NICE, Nordic Initiative Clean and Ethical for the fashion industry. So we did codes of conduct and we did lots of seminars and conferences and we did launch the first conference during the, uh, the climate meeting in Copenhagen. Yeah. And we filled the whole uh, new opera house wow. uh, out on the Holmensunde in Copenhagen. It's a huge building. So, so we gathered really like uh, students, of course, fashion students and, and their teachers, but also lots of people from the industry. Hmm. So that was really massive uh, and the project is still on there. Um, but I think 2014, I thought everything went really too slow. So then I started to work with arts and craft instead because I think this is never going to happen. But I think initiative like this fact uh, coming out to young kids here in Umeå, it's really important because mm. I think you really need to value uh, textile completely different. And textile used to be so expensive. Now we're talking like Erik den Fjortonde, one Swedish king that was very flamboyant uh, and his tapestries. Okay. Uh, I mean, they were fortunes. They were like buying five castles. Uh, tapestry that you put on the wall was so expensive. Handmade uh, in factories in Holland or France. Uh, so uh, when he was moving from all his different castles, he would transport all the valuable textiles first to have them hung before everybody came to this castle. Right. Yeah. And he was constantly going to different castles because he was scared of getting killed, which he was eventually anyway. Uh, so textiles, they, they, they used to be so precious. So it's difficult for us who, who are buying a t-shirt for 29 kroner or something to understand how expensive, how exclusive textiles were. I mean, you, you were valued. Uh, by how many textiles you had if you, you were your wardrobe and things like that. So I think for the fashion and textile industry, it's really to make, um, to show that, that these are still valuable. 
And we have new um, textiles now too. We, ha oh, we have many tremendous new textiles, of course, so you don't have to use cotton. You can no. use a lot of all I mean, I feel terrible now, of course, for, no, for turning no, up No, but I think like since you have them, you should cherish them. That's uh -huh. what I was going to say. Oh, I see. You okay. should love them. Right. Not, <laughs> don't not... throw them away. Right. Don't, don't mend those, uh, okay. those pair of five pocket jeans. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what the whole uh, fact uh, project is about is to... to uh, use your wardrobe in different ways to restyle whatever you have in your wardrobe in order not to buy new things. And if you buy new things, well, I can buy your uh, pair of denims when you're tired of them because mm. somebody else might want to have them. Um, so the whole, whole idea is not to produce so many new things, especially not <laughs> in cotton, uh, and try to use other materials. And also there are so many really interesting educations around the world that are talking about mono-material design because it's so difficult to, to dismantle, uh, you know, a textile product yeah. because you have lots of metals and you have pieces of wood in, uh, or leather in your, uh, in your jeans here. So really? Yeah, and the thread is a different material. It's maybe polyester or something, so okay. they're more durable. Uh, so, I mean, it's not e easy. And I think in that sense, the furniture industry has become uh, co completely aware of uh, that, you know, you can just put everything in one bin, uh, recycle it. Uh -huh. And the, I think also in the industry, I mean, uh, nobody's using uh, virgin aluminium anymore. So I think the world of fashion and textile, it's coming there. So the, it's talking a lot with uh, about not using, uh, using uh, virgin material anymore. So... So wool is easy mm. to recycle, uh, and, and, and my, my grandmother used to recycle wool. Uh, and you can even see if it was a recycled wool coat that you bought, it was a bit cheaper. Today, the recycled wool coat is more expensive, okay, <laughs> which sure. is interesting. Yeah. But cotton still is very difficult to recycle because you cannot, uh, you can... You can't unweave are, it. Yes, yeah. and the fibers, doesn't, they're not long enough and so on. Ah. So there are new processes and there is a really uh, nice uh, research project also from Boros where they actually managed to do the threads durable again. Right. But I mean, the, the amount of those kind of qualities, uh, uh, they cannot weave so many. So, But that's a really nice and I think H&M is now a stakeholder in, in that part, uh, which is a small growing industry. Mm. Um, so renewable textiles, but also uh, of new business models. So, I mean, today you can actually go into H&M and you can rent your clothes. And if somebody really? had told me, yeah, if somebody told me that in the 80s, I mean, I would have laughed. Uh, so so that is true. Well, mm. what's astonishing, you bring up H&M and, and every time I go into H&M, yes. I, I mm. think that's an awful lot of clothes. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of clothes. Mm. Who is buying all mm. of these clothes mm. and mm. why is it always changing? And mm. all, yeah. There was a big article, I think it was Dagens Industry or maybe the end last uh, yesterday actually. Uh -huh. So they're completely changing uh, all the management uh, to look at new business ideas, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, which is very interesting. And the shares dropped, I don't know, a lot. <laughs> yeah, because suspiciously yeah. cheap children's clothing is, mm. is, uh, mm. is yeah. a concern. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and also it's a very traditional way, I think, uh, I mean, to, to produce a pair of pants, like the ones you're having now, denims, mm -hmm. I mean, the, 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 the pattern makers is still, still the same as they did in 1750. I mean, yeah. it's uh, four pieces of uh, cloth that you put together. So, uh, I mean, in a way for being so fashion forward, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think, um, I think research has been really tremendously important. And also that you, uh, I mean, that you can be a researcher within fashion history and so on. Uh -huh. I mean, it used to be impossible to think that you could even 
I mean, do research in a field like that. Yeah. Uh, when, when I was a student, there was nothing. You couldn't go on further if you were a student into research and so on. There, there, were, there were no master programs. To, so I mean, today you have master programs and so on. So there was nothing of that. And actually, uh, fashion was, I mean, it was shallow. <laughs> uh -huh. But today, I mean, it's, it's something that we, I mean, you make a choice every morning, you go into your closet and put, put something on. Right. So it it's really, not so much it, a choice, it, it, I think. Yeah, but I mean, it becomes fashion <laughs> when you put your pieces together. We, we deliberately, uh, well, well, yeah. yeah, but I think it's, uh, what is fashion and what is clothing? I think that's so interesting. But, but it comes yeah. fashion when you put something together. And when you start interact and you have your arena, it could be in school or it could be like uh, hanging out somewhere. So yeah. that's when it becomes fashion. And I think this fact project, it, it really uh, focuses on that. I mean, to restyle your own wardrobe, not to throw anything away. Maybe your dad's shirt could be fantastic together with something else. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not trying to do Erik den Fjortonde's textiles, but it's like uh, erasing the value of, of textiles again. And to me, uh, a normal T-shirt should be like uh, two zeros extra because uh, I think cotton T-shirts, I mean, they will be as precious as uh, silk shirts. Well, mm. well, uh, then I've, so I've got an absolute them. fortune. Save them. <laughs> I've got an absolute fortune in my cupboard at home. So, yeah. uh, lots of thanks. It's yeah. been really, really fascinating and really enjoyable. Thank you for yeah. having me. You're very welcome. That's Lotta Alva, and that's the MTF podcast. You'll find Lotta on Instagram, and if you scroll back far enough, you'll also find me on there. She's at Lotta Alva, A-H-L-V-A-R. I'm also on Instagram, as it happens, at A-Dubber, which, if you're looking for new inventions, synthesizers, robots, VR, and lasers, you'll be very disappointed. It's mostly animals and food. The other stuff you'll find more of on at Dubber on Twitter. But the one you should really be seeking out is at MTF Labs or mtflabs.net. That's where you'll find out about our next major event in Portugal with remote satellite labs as far away as Norway and Mexico, and which, depending on when you're listening to this, is either very, very soon or was fairly recently. Stay safe, stay stylish, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.